Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Mental health is a big issue these days, and maternal mental health is even bigger. When mothers are not well, they cannot raise their children in an empowering way. We all would benefit from understanding maternal mental health more. In this episode, Kate gives us some brain science and some really tangible strategies so that we can cultivate relationships and friendships and partnerships from a place of understanding why and how supporting one another's mental health is so important. I know you're going to walk away with some really great ideas that will improve your life today. Hello, and welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel, and today we're talking to Kate Kripke about mental health and what that means for you. Welcome, Kate, to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, Isabel. This is one of my favorite things to do is to talk about these things, so I'm honored to be invited. Yay. Well, before we dive into our conversation, Kate, will you just let us know a little bit about you, about your work, and also what empowerment means to you? Yes. Great question. Um, So I am, I, I think it's funny, I just turned 50, which is a time in which I am just embracing my own empowerment. So I'm going to start with that and say, I am a 50-year-old mama of two teenage girls who are almost 14 and 16. I'm also a maternal mental health specialist. I started my career as a psychotherapist. I founded a maternal and early family mental health clinic here in Boulder, Colorado, where I ran the clinic and saw patients there for about 15 years. Um, I'm really passionate about mental health and motherhood for so many reasons that I'm sure we'll get into today. Mm -hmm. Um, That really is my fire and my passion and also where my creativity lives Um, I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn, New York, and I was raised by two very successful and yet very anxious parents. And much of the earlier part of my life, I was really uh, plagued, debilitated by extreme anxiety, perfectionism, panic attacks. And so I think that actually is what motivated me into the field of maternal mental health Mm. um, so that I could help empower mothers to really learn how to take care of themselves so that, you know, they can show up the way they want to with their kids. And I don't know about you, Isabel, but when I am feeling depleted and anxious and exhausted, it's real hard for me to show up as a mom. So Mm. that is sort of the narrative of my work. Thank you so much for sharing that narrative too. I think a lot of our listeners can relate to almost having their healing come out of their wounds and their gifts come out of their own wounds before we hit record. You had asked me kind of my own journey. Um, 
And so I want to share a little bit of it here because this work, this work in mother's empowerment also stems from my own, um, honestly, feelings of disempowerment. Yes. So when I became a mom 12 years ago, as of this recording, I really thought I was going to enter a type of sorority where all the other moms around the world would open their arms to me and I would be embraced into this beautiful village. And that was not my experience. And I know that may be an experience that some of the women listening can relate to. But for me, I felt so isolated and so incredibly overwhelmed and exhausted all the time. I just felt like I had no inner resources and then I had no outer resources. And I felt deeply anxious, um, which I didn't know about postpartum anxiety. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, and I did feel depressed, but it was low grade. For me, it was mostly like an amped up anxiety, like I can't sleep. Even when my baby's asleep, I can't sleep. Yes. And it lasted a really long time because I did not get help because I felt ashamed. So I didn't reach out to the people that cared about me because I was afraid that they would tell me to get on medication. And I just, I didn't want to do that. So this is for those women who maybe went through a similar journey or your own version of this journey. Mm -hmm. And I want to just lay a foundation of safety in this conversation, mm -hmm. Kate, which you are so good at, because I find that is what was holding me back from being honest. Yes. I just, it just wasn't safe. Yes. So can you speak a little bit to that feeling of like wanting safety, but not knowing if I have it or not? Yes. I mean, first of all, thank you for telling your story. And, you know, I've done maternal mental health work for about 20 years, and that is a very common story. I think Many of us have different parts, you know, we're all different individuals and we bring different pieces to the story, but that experience of having an expectation that's not met, of feeling deeply isolated and under-supported in, in early motherhood, sometimes on through motherhood, depending on how empowered someone feels to advocate for themselves, right? That feeling of anxiety, overwhelm, it is a un- it's an unreasonably common story. When I talk about health in motherhood and mental health in early motherhood, I'm really talking about whether or not someone, a mother is well enough supported biologically, right? Like her body's getting what it needs, sleep, nutrition, oxygen, water, all those things that our body needs. Psychologically, is she well enough supported around her thinking and her emotions and her beliefs? Socially, is she well enough supported within the holding of a community? And spiritually, is she well enough supported in this idea of larger interconnectedness, right? Yes. When, when mothers are not well enough supported biologically, psychologically, socially, and spiritually, they will feel depressed and anxious. It's not a, a might, mm. it's they will, right? Mm. And I think we do as a society a terrible job setting mothers up to feel well, right? And then what happens is we have these all these stories about how 
like your your point, it's going to be a club. It's going to be the happiest time in your life. We have these images of, you know, sitting around drinking tea with other beautiful mothers, all nursing our baby, right? It is such a setup. And so I think what happens for many of us is that we have our babies (laughs) and there is no new motherhood without messiness and unpredictability and chaos and anxiety and uncertainty and all those things. We suddenly feel like we shouldn't be feeling that. So we pull back. And then all of these people around us in community are afraid to offend, Mm -hmm. right? They stay back because they're afraid to ask questions because they don't want to upset someone. And meanwhile, as mothers, we're feeling more and more and more alone. So I hope that to answer your question, the sense of safety comes in the knowing of being a part, that interconnectedness of being a part of an experience that so many mothers have. From where I said, it is not okay. It is not okay that so many mothers have this experience, but it is it is a ridiculously common experience. Even for those people, actually, I will say from being on the kind of service provider side, even those people who we look out at the world and say, how does she have? She has so many friends. She's mm-hmm. part of the club, right? Even yes. for them, there's this mm-hmm. kind of struggle. Yes. Thank you for shedding a light on that. I'm also feeling like new mothers do have these opportunities to be in a group experience, the mommy and me groups and the music groups. And those groups kind of drop off after our kids go to school, you know, even after they're, you know, five years old and somehow these groups are, you know, they disappear, they evaporate. What is that about? And is that true? Is that, has that been your experience as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's an attempt to bring new mothers together because we know that we need a village. We know that we mother best in community. We know that intellectually. I mean, I will say I have been um, providing and running not mute, not groups focused on kids like music together groups, but gro- groups focused on mothers like community groups. I have been providing those for decades and people don't always show. So because there's this piece of, right, it's sort of like we don't want to be seen in our messiness, even mm-hmm. if a group is intended for space to be messy, there's a part of our ego that's like, well, that's for other people. I can't show up there. Yes. Right. And so there's this weird block, I think, in our egos that get us to a place where we we feel stuck and we're in some ways keeping ourselves stuck because mm-hmm. we're not taking that leap into discomfort that might help us get unstuck. But I do think there's a there's a movement to create organized community for new moms. And then there's the assumption that they're off and running. In my experience, both as a mom myself of teenage daughters now, but also as someone who supports mom, that if there's this way in which we set, this might be a huge generalization, I want to own that, both Mm -hmm. as mothers and women, but we set this expectation that the focus of a quote-unquote good mother is about putting attention into her kids. So we move from new mom groups to kid groups, soccer, dance, more music, right? Whatever, play groups, right? And somehow we run around trying to organize those 
community social groups for our children. Mm-hmm. And we forget that we need to be filling ourselves up in order to show up for our kids the way we want to. So I think there's this, I would be interesting to see a graph, right? I've never mm-hmm. thought about this question the way you're asking it, but it would be interesting to see a graph. I, I imagine there's a big drop off right around sort of preschool age, right? If, you know, that sort of a little bit before kindergarten, certainly kindergarten, but when our kids get old enough to start being dropped off to play dates mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Yeah. I bet there's a big drop there in support for moms because we get forgotten. Yeah. So let's, let's, I want to talk about that forgotten piece in relationship to empowerment too, mm-hmm. because do we get forgotten or do we forget ourselves or is it both? What a fabulous question. It reminds me of, times in elementary school for my youngest daughter who would come home in tears saying that she was left out on the playground. And what became really clear really quickly was that no one was leaving her out. She just wasn't including herself. She wasn't advocating for what she needed. And I think that is, gosh, dare I say, we might be going in a whole different direction, Mm -hmm. but sort of a learned behavior for many young girls right? Don't insert yourself, you know, be polite, you know? And so, and so I think the question is such an important one. I am a very strong believer that one of the premises of mental health and well-being is accountability and personal responsibility. Now, there are so many things in the world and culture and our environments that influence us, right? There are some systems that need desperately need to be changed. And so we can't ignore the impact that those things have on us as women. However, we need to be able to ask ourselves, what do I want and need to be healthy and well? Hmm. And what does it look like for me to begin to make choices that lead me towards those things? And when we wait and sit back and wait for life to offer itself up to us or wait for things to come to us, we lose our agency. And agency and mental health are intimately connected. So if we feel like we have no choice and no control, we're going to feel depressed and anxious, which is why many new moms feel depressed and anxious because we have very little control, right? But the moment we begin to say, okay, hang on a second. I want to feel connection. I want to feel love. I want to give and receive support. What choices can I make that will help me get closer to that is the moment we get our agency back and we begin to feel better pretty quickly. To me, that's empowerment. Me too. And ouch. You Tell know, me more. Yeah. Oh, I have like tears rising to the yes. surface because um, I learned to, I learned disempowerment. Yes. You know, I was that little girl on the playground. Yes. Honestly, that big girl on the playground. Yes. Days ago. Yeah. It feels like the moms aren't, the other moms aren't coming up to me to talk to me. Yes. They're leaving me out. That's right. Um, and then, and so I hear you speaking and I'm thinking, ouch. Yes. Uh, that it's not them. It's me. Well, Can I invite a both and? Mm. Because the other Mm. thing that feels really important to me in empowerment and also mental health and well-being is our capacity to think in both and rather than either or. And this Mm. to me is a perfect example to invite that in. 
we are influenced by people and there, and we all have temperaments, right? Mm-hmm. So an extrovert, by the way, is going to have an easier time walking into that big or small group mm. of kids, girls or women and yeah. say, Hey, let me introduce myself. Then someone who's a little more introverted or shy or whatever word works best for you. Right? So yep. We are influenced by our environment. And to me, the question is, what part might I be playing in the things that aren't working for me? Mm. Not where is this my fault or where am I to blame, but what part might I be playing? Because there are many different parts at work here. You know, does Mm -hmm. that settle your nervous system a little bit? Yes, it does. And it brings in compassion, self-compassion. Yeah. And I find my my like inner mother wanting yeah. to say, of course, it's hard. It's yes. hard because it's hard. Not yes. because something's wrong with you. Oh, I am like, that's the, the emotion piece is so, I, I mean, we, we don't need to dive too much into this, but we are also, so many of us are taught to, to, to sort of disregard our feelings. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't feel that way. Just go, they're not being mean. Don't feel like they're being mean. Just go introduce yourself or, you know, oh, don't worry. Go find other friends. Don't be sad about that, right? And the reality is that our feelings are so wise. We feel uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation. We feel disappointed when things are disappointing. We feel sad when things are sad. So of Mm -hmm. course it's okay to feel those things, right? I'm so glad that we went down this road because I'm just thinking about that little girl on the playground who is feeling left out. And I'm thinking if she came home to a mom who said, yeah, those feelings are real and really listened to those feelings and then asked her when her nervous system was like settled because she was seen and heard, is there a part? inside of you that is playing, you know, with this or, you know, that both and piece. Yes, they are not playing with you. And are you playing with them? Yes. Imagine or, what, like, I feel like empowerment can be learned from that. Yes. Early oh my phase. I mean, this brings up two things for me, Isabel. One is that it is really hard to show up that way with our kids when we're not resourced ourselves. You and I were talking about this before mm-hmm. we hit record. And I know that this is part of your work as well, yeah. right? Is that, you know, that way of showing up in motherhood is absolutely in the best interest of our children's health and wellness and their personal development. And if we don't know how to show up with ourselves that way, with compassion and understanding and room for feeling emotion and learning how to get out of our own way and stay steady in times of despair, it's hard for us to do that with our kids. I, and so I just say that for all of your listeners, mm. because that feels like important context. Mm. The other thing I might just add in your example is for small people, right? If we're talking about like kids under the age of 12, right? The empowerment question even even other than what part might you be playing, right? I think that's a great question for like a teenager, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Is what choices could you make that would help you get more of what you want right now? Right? Yeah. It sounds like you really want to spend time with those girls on the playground. Would it be helpful to brainstorm some choices that you could make that might make it more likely that you can play with them on the playground, right? So we're motivating action, right? 
it's so even the like I mean I again I've got two are you do you have girls or boys or both oh a girl an older girl and a younger boy yes so I don't know about parenting boys because I've never had boys but yeah. certainly one of the thing one of the blessings and curses for me of parenting girls is that I know what it feels like to be a girl I don't know what it feels mm-hmm. like to be my particular girls and right? that's a constant thing I'm working on is like oh they're not you let yes. them be you but let them be themselves. But I do know that to your point, when we learn how to advocate for ourselves and be empowered when we're young, the the rest of our adult life is going to be so much easier, right? And to your point, so many of us aren't taught that Mm -hmm. when we're little. In fact, I believe that disempowerment is something that we learned. And if it's something we learned we can learn, unlearn it, and we can learn something else instead. Absolutely. And my little boy, who is seven at the time of this recording, he, if he sees a group of kids playing, he's not going to ask for permission or wait for permission. He feels so interesting, empowered to just go play. He feels he can assert himself. I don't know if this is a gender thing, but I watch my other kiddo sitting on the sidelines waiting i don't know what position i'm i'm is open i you know like waiting for a spot to open for her and i just can so relate to her i can so relate to being like is there an empty spot that i can fill and if there's not then there's no room for me that is such a profound heartbreaking and important reflection because again naming huge generalizations here yeah right i really believe that there's a lot of learned behavior that's in the air right yes. that we don't need someone you didn't need someone to say to you now isabel do not ask to take a seat unless you see one open no one yeah. i mean maybe someone did but for yes. many of us no one used those words but we're watching and we're learning and we're absorbing and i think again this both and right the 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 strength and the challenge for many girls women is this I is this sort of temperament of looking out for the well-being of others. It's mm-hmm. not all bad. It's a beautiful character trait when it's in balance with advocating for ourselves, right? When it's out of balance, we lose ourselves. We get lost. We, there's no room at the table, to your point, yeah. which is such a bummer for the table because you yes. have so much to offer the table. Yes. <laughs> oh, Yes. And not waiting for the table to say that, but just like knowing it on the inside. That's right. It's brave. It's brave to do that. You know, I think we need to be willing to be imperfect. We need to be willing to fail. We need to be willing to disappoint people, right? We need to be willing to do it messy and not get it right the first time. I'm a big advocate for ourselves and with our children and other relationships about mistake and repair in relationships, Mm. right? We don't grow without making mistakes. And what strengthens things after a mistake is made is the repair. You say the wrong thing, you come Mm. back and say, wow, I can see that it really hurt you. I am Mm. so sorry. Those things are so strengthened. When anytime I do that, I feel so empowered, Mm -hmm. right? As the apologizer and they're for the other person. You know what? This is making me think of, um, 
it's hard because it's hard because for centuries it's been physically dangerous for women to speak up. You know, yes. I don't know if you've heard of this term, the witch wound, mm. you know, where other women would call each other out as witches and they would literally be burned at the right. stake. No one apologized for that. No. no one walked up to me and said, I'm sorry for the history, for your lineage. Like that was not okay. And there's repair that has not been made there. And I'm mad. Of course. Okay. And it's still happening all yes. over the world in re real time. That's right. That's right. That's where I'm like, right. Your anger is wise. Mm. Let's not talk you out of your anger. Your anger is wise. What, what you choose to do with your anger, what I choose to do, what we as women choose to do with our anger will make the difference. But the fact of the anger is wise, right? Okay. So what can we do with that anger? What are right. some wise actions that we can take? Yeah. I mean, well, two things. What my, uh, it is often said that when we're scared, we get scary, right? So the first thing I think is really helpful when we notice anger is to actually go inside and ask ourselves, what am I feeling fearful of? Mm. Right. When, how would you answer that question when you're thinking about this particular anger, just to workshop it with you for a minute? What's the fear underneath that? Oh, what's the fear? Yeah. Okay. So the fear for me is, is really around I'm alone. Yes. And that's yes. really scary. That's right. Well, because to your point, way back when, if we didn't belong, we would die. Yes. Right. So it is a, we are wired. Biologically wired. That's right. So I am alone and there's probably a fair amount of, I am not being seen and heard. Mm-hmm right? I'm being invalidated. Yep. Okay. So that fear is so wise because it motivates you to think about what you want more of. What do you want more of? If you're, if you're thinking about that particular example. Okay. Um, what I want is to be seen and loved exactly as I am. Yes. Without my mask on. Yes. Beautiful. So the next question you get to ask yourself, well, we skipped a little point here. I think we, we went, we skipped over it because you and I, I know you're doing this already is mm -hmm. self-compassion, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. when we recognize fear that leads to anger, mm -hmm. that's painful. Mm -hmm. And we recognize the why, what are we afraid of? We have to be willing to give ourselves permission to feel those things and to be tender, like hand on heart. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that is hard. I don't yeah. care. And to yeah, speak to that, for me, it's really nervous system regulation before doing any of the outer work, really yes. going in. And I don't like this part, to be honest. I know the importance of it. And yet I really don't like to calm my nervous system. I just want to be in action. But that's where I become scary. And that is such mm -hmm. an important point. When we skip this point, we become scary. Yeah. Anger doesn't have to look scary. It yes. can look empowering and mm. motivating. But if we skip this part, yes. the fear, the scariness, the, the, the teeth that come out, the claws are a way of defending and protecting ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But most of the time, we don't really need to defend and protect our, ourselves that way. So that, that settling nervous system is so important. I don't know if you know this, Isabel, but moments of connection Mm -hmm. with ourselves, with other people in our environment, turns on our parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. 
rest and digest. Moments of disconnection with ourselves, other people, and the environment turns on our sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. fight, flight, and freeze, right? Mm-hmm. So that 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 part that you are least comfortable with about quote unquote settling your nervous system really is just about taking a moment to connect with yourself or all the other people out there who have felt that same fear, <laughs> that yes. biological yes. fear, yes. Yes. right? Yes. Just connecting with that can begin to settle your nervous system. The other important thing to know, a little brain science for you, you may know this, is that our limbic brain is where fight our our response, our reactions live, fight, flight, or freeze, limbic brain. Mm. Frontal cortex is rational thought, logical thinking, creativity, right? Problem solving. So in order for our frontal cortex to turn on, we have to turn off our limbic brain. We have to quiet the noise back there. So that moment of connection is actually going to give your brain what it needs to solve the problem, right? It's going to turn on that part of our brains. So interesting. That is the hardest part for many of us is slow pausing. We want to keep moving. No way. And again, that's something we learned, like be productive, move forward, be in action. Yeah. Absolutely. The final step of this, right? If we say, oh, what's the, what's the feeling? It's fear. How do we compa- find that compassion for ourselves? The next question was, how do you want to fear, feel, right? You answered that. Mm-hmm. And then this is where the empowerment shows up. This is the agency. This is the self-advocacy. What thought or action can I take that will lead me towards more of what I want? And that's where we get to move forward with intention and productivity. We're much more likely to be successful and get what we want when we have done, when we do that after the other few things, right? So the, the anger, if we slow it down and go back to the fear, that's where we can begin to unwind our power. And then Mm -hmm. we're on our way. How does that land for you? Does that resonate? I feel like heavier in my seat. Mm. Um, and at the same time, like more spacious in my body, if just feel it really lands, it's like, I get this feeling of yes. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sound hard. It actually sounds accessible. Yes. So baby steps. Yeah, totally. Titration. It doesn't, we don't have to go all the way because we can't. That's right. Okay, so we're moving towards the end of our time together. Kate, is there anything else that you want our listeners to know before we close? I think a really useful moment-to-moment, day-to-day practice in establishing a sense of empowerment would be to ask the following question. And just so you know, I ask myself this question like a gazillion times a day about Big things or small things, right? Mm. How do I want to feel? How do I want to feel when my kid walks in the door at the Mm. end of the school day? How do I want to feel when I turn out my light at the end of the day? How do I want to feel after this hard conversation with my partner? How do I want to feel after this family trip visit? To really get clear on feelings, to be motivated by the internal landscape. How do I want to feel? And then to be able to ask that same question. What thoughts and actions can I take that will lead me closer to that feeling? So many of us, especially the movers and shakers and doers and caretakers of the world, 
are motivated by what things look like on the outside. What does a good mom look like? What does a good mom do? Right? What is a what is a functioning family look like? What does a functioning family do mm. on the weekends? Right? Whatever mm. example you have. And when we're motivated by the doing, we miss the point that what we're looking for is a feeling. We're looking for a feeling of empowerment. We're looking for a feeling of love. We're looking for a feeling of content. We're looking for a feeling of connection. So when we can be anchored by the feeling and motivated by the feeling, the actions make more sense. They're small and intentional, and we're so much more likely to find ourselves there at the end of the day or the end of that conversation or the end of the travel or visit. So to me, that's a beautiful, small bite side of example of beginning to bring up some of this very internally motivated, accountable empowerment. And it leads to mental well being. So, listeners, and you're listening to this right now. So, that makes your, you a listener. <laughs> the invitation is to just ask yourself a question How do I want to feel? and listen for the answer, receive the answer. And then your second question to receive the answer to is what actions do I want to take to move towards that feeling or emotion? Beautiful. And I, and I want, I don't want to skip over the thought piece because so many of us are thinking one thing Mm-hmm. and expecting us to take a different action. So we can really advocate for empowerment in our thinking too. And maybe it's, you know, if I, if, how do I want to feel? I want to feel connected to my kiddo when he walks in the door. If I'm thinking mm-hmm. about all the things that my kid was doing to make me late for my meeting in the morning, that would be real hard for me to connect. Mm-hmm. If I think about the things that I appreciate about my kid, I'm going to be much more likely to connect at the end of the day, right? So it's thoughts and actions. Mm, So beautiful. Thank you, Kate. Will you let everyone know where they can learn more about you, including uh, the title of your book and where they can find it? Yes. Thank you for asking. My new book is called Reinventing Supermom, Encouragement, Support, and Strategies for New Mothers Who Feel Lost. This book is really meant for that pregnant or postpartum mom in the first year postpartum. It's a book that carries a new mom through that first postpartum year, giving support, encouragement, strategies around that biological, psychological, social, and spiritual health. So ideally, it's a book on prevention for depression Mm. and anxiety postpartum. Um, I have a podcast called Motherhood Uncut that I co-host with a friend and colleague who's also a licensed clinical social worker. And we bring our own mothering journey to the table. And much like you, I think, talk about all this messiness that people don't necessarily want to talk about in motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I My website is katekripke.com. I offer coaching both one-on-one and group mental health coaching for mothers. Um, and I'm pretty active on Instagram at Kate Kripke. I really work to put out little bits and little tips throughout the day, throughout the week that, um, moms can take and walk away with that. Well, again, the, the goal being to lead to bringing focus back on ourselves as mothers so that we can learn how to take care of our own mental well being so that we can show up in the world the way we want to. So that's at Kate Kripke. Thank you, Kate. This has been such a fruitful conversation. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Isabel. It's such a treat for me. Bye. 
that's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you.